Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, we're live here. We want winners post-game show. 49ers beat the New York Giants 30 to 12 in a game that was, I think, a little bit closer uh, in, in the first half, maybe even two and a half quarters there. But the Niners did pull away. And I was thinking about this because no Brandon Ayuk for the Niners, but no Saquon Barkley for the Giants. So they were both missing a giant piece of their offense. But the Niners just have a much more talented roster. And when you miss a Brandon Ayuk, you go, okay, well, who's going to step up? And Debo steps up. And Al Michaels even said it. The, the, the 1994 49ers motto was, so many weapons, and Al Michaels uttered that on the broadcast tonight. But, Rod, how do you feel after this game, which turned into a little bit uh, of a route, but was maybe not that big of a route earlier in the game? Yeah, it this it was a, a weird game, but Thursday games just are weird. They're and weird. It, and this kind of turned into a hybrid. When I kind of give you uh uh give you guys a insight into when I'm betting I kind of try to come up with a scenario of how the game is going to play out and then once I decide on that and again I'm just guessing but I bet accordingly in Mm -hmm. Thursday night game this game specifically I thought it could go one of two ways Thursday night games a lot of the times they have to feel like preseason games like there's not a lot of game planning the guys just kind of try to ball control it and, you know, try to just steal a win basically, or it could go the other way where one of the teams just gets up real quick. And then the other team is playing from behind. This was kind of a hybrid. It, you know, the Niners were, they got up, but I don't know. It just, it was just a weird, kind of deal like because because like there was a time there where the Giants it felt like they were in it more than you know after they had taken the Niners best punch but they were still hanging right there you know I'm on our little pick them thing I had the minus 10 and a half yeah and it just felt like this has the back doors unlocked. This has a back door <laughs> cover written all over it. I, I never felt the Giants were going to win, but you know when they got the ball back and like with like five minutes left, um, the the drive that sucked that ended up in the interception. I was like, man, they're going to go down here and they're going to score this <laughs> touchdown. And then, you know, it's they, they're going to, you know, and then the Niners will just run the ball out and they're going to cover. Sean, um, Mc, Sean McVay would have figured out a way, figured out a way to kick three <laughs> field goals to, <laughs> to get to nine. <laughs> so it didn't end up going up, but it was, it, it just had a real kind of funky feel to it. Um, Brock got off to an interesting start. This is the first time ever I, I, I bet Brock, over two um 
225 yards was the number and then yeah. had him at like over the number was like over 15 and a half fantasy points mm-hmm. and it was like i like made a facebook post is like you know i got this dude i bet him for the first time and he's missed more throws on his first drive than he has in his entire <laughs> career it was just like you know i have jinxed this dude uh, but so he got off to kind of a slow start as well but he righted the ship and ended yeah. up having a really good game but it was like it was just it was just a really weird start so shelvin is hanging out with us and he said we still haven't played a complete game the Pittsburgh game was pretty close. They went into Pittsburgh and kind of beat the bumps off of Pittsburgh. But these last two games, I, I, the Rams game, some of that, as we mentioned, was the McVeigh and Shanahan. You kind of know each other better than than you know yourself kind of games. And the Niners were like a B minus in, in that game. And for the first half, I actually thought they were worse in this game. I thought they were like a C plus. But again... You have the talent, you have the depth. They they pulled away in the second half, so it wasn't a bad performance. But your, your Brock commentary, Bill Simmons was like, what's going on with Brock? Is like Sam Darnold going to start warming up? And I was like, uh, <laughs> that might be a bit bad. premature. <laughs> it's not that bad. But also Bill Simmons has this angle uh, on based on the the football people he talks to that he believes that the Niners think that Sam Darnold is actually the better player, but, but you know, you, you kind of have to go with Brock based on last season. I don't believe that we, we know Sam is talented and I, I would love to see, you know, you have these different scenarios. I'd love to see what Sam Darnold could do with this team, but I'm fine with what we have right now. Cause Brock's playing some good football. I don't know, man. I, I, I you know, I, I, I totally respect, Bill Simmons's opinion. He has he's a he's a sharp dude. And you yeah. know, even when I disagree with him, it's not like he's not like Cowherd or Stephen A. Smith <laughs> that just says like ridiculous shit. Yeah, he's not trying he's not trying to go viral. He's you know, so I mean, I respect that, but I mean, I tell you what, I'm trying to find me a woman that looks at me like like Kyle looks at Brock. <laughs> I just don't, uh-uh. I, I don't see it. I, I mean, he could be right. I think that Kyle has got his man. He, yeah. you know, Brock to me is like Cousins 2.0. I mean, I yeah. think, I think he's going to, I think he'll ride with Brock to the wheel falls off. Um, So I don't, you know, I, I've kind of settled into that idea that, you know, you know, this is Brock's deal. Uh, we, we're we're going to go. As far as Brock takes us, I, I just, you know, like I say, Bill Simmons is a lot smarter than me, but I just can't force, I can't see a set of circumstances. Where, the only, where, the only, unless he gets hurt, is, I mean, is, is the injury piece. Yeah. yeah if I he gets I hurt, yeah. I mean, that, that's obvious. But I, I just, uh, barring that, I just, it's hard for me to believe that, that, that Kyle would, you know, sit them down and say, hey, Brock, you know, I'm rolling with. I guess it could happen, but I would be shocked. Um, it, he would have to play. He'd have to play demonstrably worse. Than, we've never seen him play bad enough <laughs> for that to be, you know, even a question. I don't think yeah. so. He, I mean, he, I, I respect the way, you know, I, I, you know, I'm on record. Look, I, 
he's not the most talented dude, but he is very confident. And I love that about him. And I love the fact that as a young guy, he is rarely trying to do things that he can't do. He mm-hmm. plays within himself. He knows himself well. He knows his strengths. He appears to know his limitation. Then he stays in the lines. He is not trying to be something he's not. And um, and that's a you know that is that's um that's a, a wonderful quality for a young person to have to have to, you know to to know who they are and just you know just be who they at be who they are and not try to please or be try trying to figure out what other people want to be and be that he doesn't seem to be doing that at all he's just doing him and it's working out so with the giant you brought <laughs> what the giants did and this wasn't only in the beginning they did it throughout the game but i think the 49ers kind of figured it out in the second half they blitzed 74% of the snaps in this game i believe that's the number uh, i think shelvin posted it in the discord nick wagoner tweeted that they blitzed 74% of the dropbacks. That's the highest blitz rate faced by a quarterback with at least 30 dropbacks since Colin Kaepernick against Arizona in 2013. The 29 blitzes Brock faced more than doubled his previous high of 14. That was a big difference in the first half, I thought. I I thought the Niners came out a little bit flat. I don't know if they just did not expect the blitzes or if the play calls, you know, we have this idea of scripting these, these play calls in the beginning of the game. And some of that I'm sure has to do with what you believe the other team is going to do. And the giants just flat out blitz. And I, I posted in the discord that the giants hadn't had a sack in the first two games. I think they got two in this game, but they desperately wanted to get to the quarterback. And that was such a big part of their game plan. And they went after Brock, and I thought it worked. Those first couple of drives, he was missing receivers. The timing was off. There was that stuff, uh, that 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 blitz, that all-out blitz. Like this is like the Madden blitz, where you just blitz everybody. The the John Madden football game, and uh, it was you know they were in the red zone, and Kittle kind of gets a little bit of a of a slip off of the line, and and Brock has to throw the ball away. But all of those things, they they were working, and then. You get, you know, we gave the 49ers and Shanahan enough time to figure it out. And by the second half, I thought they attacked where the blitzes were coming a little bit better. They were utilizing their run game with uh, not only CMC, but also Elijah Mitchell. He got he got uh, a, a nice little run there. And, you know, they did it all without Brandon Ayuk, who has been their best receiver over the last probably year. And uh, they got it done. We got to see a little bit more of George Kittle. George Kittle was a little bit more of the safety valve tonight. Uh, I think he, especially when Debo made that great play where he caught that short slant and then he just dragged a bunch of guys, you know, another five or six yards and he had to come out of the game. And I was like, "Uh Oh, we got Ray Ray and JJ and whomever else out there. And it was Kittle who, who uh, they, they went to who had a one-on-one against the safety. So, they figured it out, but the thing, I think if if you are a cynic and you're trying to look for something negative, you think about the Eagles. If the Niners were to start this slow against the Eagles, and we know how that RPO works with Hertz and how they played the Niners in, in the conference championship game where the, the Niners just look so confused with that RPO, 
that's a little bit different because what the Giants couldn't do is it couldn't take advantage of the early uh, the early quality play of their defense because they they just couldn't you know they had one I think they had one touchdown all game long and a couple field goals so against a better team maybe it's a little bit different but against the Giants the Niners were able to take care of business and you know I don't know if you know the numbers Daniel Jones threw for 137 yards in this game yeah his best receiver or his, I I won't I won't say best but his top receiver with six catches was Paris. Campbell four yards per catch on six catches. So the, the pass rush was on Daniel Jones. He did not have a lot of time and the Niners were absolutely not afraid of getting beat deep and they kept everything in front and they, the defense, this was probably uh, their best, their best game from the uh, perspective of front line rushing the passer, you know, uh, that, that point of view, but overall, the, they they win going away, but you know if you if you're looking for the little pieces, you you could find them against a better team. Now they won't see that next week because they're going to get Arizona. But you know in two weeks when Dallas comes in, it could be a little bit of a different story. It was one thing that I find inter- found interesting. It, it was the first time, you know, it, it, his Brock's size is always going to be a, a point of con- con- contention you know, just based on injury risk, little guy, you know, just small quarterbacks getting hit. But this was the first time one of the downsides of having a smaller quarterback and, you know, the Seahawks used to, you know, had that problem with Russell Wilson is that when the pocket collapses or the pocket gets muddy, this was the first time that it was that the picture wasn't really clear for Brock. He was, he had pressure like right in his face. And, and it was the first time that it, you know, he really kind of, you know, cause not more of it, most of the time he's set back and he's got a good picture, but it was the first time in my eyes that he like really looked small out there. Those guys were like up on him and he was having to, you know, make early make room with those blitzes to, you know, find his windows. And he did a good job of that, but it was interesting. Like you say, um, just something to file away, you know, it's that, but I mean, that I say that about his size, but you can look at the greatest quarterback of all time, pressure in your face. No quarterback really likes having the pocket, moving back on them. So, I mean, this is not something that this is not a criticism of Brock is, and it's not something that's unique to him. No quarterback likes it, but it was the first time in my recollection in his short tenure that he was really having to deal with any kind of um, consistent pressure in that way. And, you know, like you say, it, it was kind of, just it was kind of choppy early, but they figured it out, and you know he ended up playing a very good game, which again is something that if you, you know, our fan base don't have any problems trying to turn Brock's performances into a positive, but if you want to take something objectively, was that he did not start particularly well, but he got stronger as the game went on and he ended up having a really good game. That touchdown to Debo was, you know, it was a, that was a really um, smart throw again, 
pressure in his face. He puts it where only Debo could um get it, you know, back shoulder. It was it was beautiful. I mean, that was um that's probably one of his best throws. Um yep. as a 49er, 35 yard touchdown throw, back shoulder, beautiful. Um and that's what happens when you blitz so much, right? You, you yeah. we'll take Debo one on one almost any time like yeah. probably mm-hmm. every time and mm-hmm. and and they, they blitz and they leave their, their man on an island there and then the four daners able to take advantage of it like uh, you mentioned you mentioned kittle he was my he was one of my best bets he was like nine it was like plus uh he was like 9.5 fantasy points he ended up with 16 um so that was an easy win i got the bad beat on dan my other best bet was daniel jones um <laughs> rushing guards? don't know well that one was a, a total dud um <laughs> but um on my top parlay i had daniel jones um over 32 and a half um pass attempts and i missed it by half <laughs> yeah because i figured the what my number. thought was the game plan that they would get behind he would be throwing it and it happened but just one time they put Tyrod Taylor in there yeah. and he got, he got my, um he got my other pass attempt. Yeah. He was over one. Yeah. Brock 25 of 37. He was 12 of 21 at one point. So that would have made him uh 13 of his last 16. If I'm doing that math correctly over 300 yards, which I don't know if I would have even I think that's the thought. first. I, has, he, has he been over 300 yards yet? Maybe. I don't know. It yeah, might have that been was, that, that first game against Miami when they were just throwing. Oh, yeah. That, that that's one. true. Yeah, uh, but that was – this was this was a very – I you know, overall, I thought it was a very impressive performance by him. Two touchdowns, uh, 111.3 quarterback rating. Uh, now, the, the player of the game to me – and, you know, you could probably find somebody on the defensive line if you wanted to, or maybe just collectively the defensive line. But Debo was six catches for 129 yards, so over 20 yards a catch with that touchdown that you mentioned. He had that 40-yard, uh, that that little post play or that little in that, that he ran, and he just kept going. There was a 40-yard, that was the 40-yard play. Though, he could have had a lot more. Oh because yeah, because there were uh, out of uh, out of Brock's uh, Brock's what was it his his thirty seven pass attempts. He uh, Debo had twelve targets, but he only mm-hmm. had six catches. So there was still, you know, there was still uh, something on the table there f- for Debo. So the, you know, there was a couple. I think there was one where they threw that like they threw that. Uh, sort of like that that sweep play and and that he he threw it a little little too high for Debo. But overall, Debo was fantastic and like you said Kittle Kittle was 7 for 90. That's his best game in in a little while and he looked like the Kittle of old. Not only was he fast, but he was also dragging guys. And then we can't say anything without just mentioning McCaffrey. McCaffrey didn't go for 100, but it's only because he only had 18 carries. He had the the touchdown, very impressive run. He just like he's very rarely do you see McCaffrey go backwards, which is, he is so good. He is just so good. And I I made mention of it at training camp. I mean, it was it was like, you know, when he took off 
the guys couldn't touch him. It was like, even if they were playing flag football, nobody would, you know, he is just, he's like that kid in Pop Warner who is just flat better than everybody. But this is the NFL. <laughs> just, it's just, you know, he is freaky unreal. Um, Elijah Mitchell kind of got going. I mean, he was, he was kind of unimpressive to me early. But um, it sound it felt it felt like he was kind of getting his footing, and he he broke off a couple of really nice runs there, um, in like the third quarter. Um, I know he only ended up with like three point and three point eight average, but um, he had some really some really good runs as well. It's gonna be one of the things that I'm gonna be interested to see. I I had Brock down for a kind of alarming four turnover worthy type th- type throws it's going to be interesting to see what pff credits him with he ha- he got some really lucky bounces um adore jackson could have had at least two picks and then he had another one that they ended up calling a pass for interference on that popped straight up in the air and um could have easily been picked um so our guy Brock, I don't know if, if Purdy is Irish, but um, he definitely had um a four leaf clover today. And again, this is these are not criticisms. Everybody has those kind of games, but it was it it, it was just interesting to note that um you know it doesn't always go that way, and sometimes you know you'll make good throws and those will turn into picks, and then you know so it all kind of evens out but again it was a a, another solid win for the 49ers and hopefully my hope is that um we don't you know take the the gas off and and let those 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 sad sacks sad sack (laughs) cardinals come in here and get have some life they're not trying to win games let's be let's be be completely honest they're they are tanking for real and the fact that the giants were down so big to them you know was (laughs) was was you know kind of alarming yeah um so it'll be interesting to see what what happens you know i guess we we get what is it 10 days off now yeah yeah so that'll be good for iu everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, you mentioned um, the sort of the luck a little bit. You know, on some of those whistles, I, I felt like the Niners got the benefit of the whistle today. Mm-hmm. The only one that they didn't get, and again, this is more reputation than anything else, is Greenlaw's mm-hmm. play, yep. where, you know, he kind of comes in at the end there. He's not getting the benefit of the doubt. No. <laughs> no, I, but, I could see the ref when he when, when when the play was like bang, bang. You could see the ref just going for, you know, it. Yeah, I mean, you just know at this point, Anything close with Dre is is going to be a flag. Yeah, and uh, the yeah. So there was pass interference calls. There was defensive holding calls that kept drives going for the Niners, and th- they were they were penalties. You know, there was the one close one where they had the push, 
I, I forget who 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 the push was on, but you know, I think the the official in the booth came on and said, yeah, you know, it was after yeah, five yeah. yards. And so yeah. it was a penalty, but you know, sometimes they let that stuff go, right. but ultimately the Niners mm-hmm. got the benefit of the doubt. And here's the other thing. When you stretch the field and they didn't really do it that much until later in the game, when you have the ability to stretch the field and you are taking shots, you're going to get some of those calls because right. you're, you're going downfield. You're not going to get a long pass interference play if if you just throw short passes all game long so you test that stuff and, and it can work to your benefit and that's the thing that you know there was a lot of conjecture about brock and his misses last game deep and you know the analogy i came up with that i kind of like is that you know I, I compare it to steph and if you wanted to c- criticize steph's post-up game i mean Okay, but that's not like <laughs> really what he does. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay, so I, you know, Brock is never going to be Trey Lance. He's never going to bomb you out like that. But that's not what he's asked to do. But what you just mentioned is what the deep pass is about. It's about creating opportunities. It's about keeping the, the game, the team, the other uh, defense honest. And he throws plenty well enough to do that. I mean, he doesn't, we're, they're not going to, they're just not going to ask him to drop back and try to bomb people out. That's just, you know, it would be foolish to do that, but he is more than capable of taking shots and hitting shots mm-hmm. when they present himself. And Kyle is excellent at scheming him opportunities to do so. And even if he misses them, they serve to keep the defense honest. And again, he is more than capable of doing that, even if he's not. I mean, he's, you know, they did a whole lot about his dad's fondness for Dan Marino. He ain't never going to be Dan Marino. Okay. I mean, that's just, you know, he's not going to be attacking teams down the field 50 yards, but he doesn't have to, to be, plenty effective but he's more than effective enough deep that teams have to honor him you can't just you know there were you know there there were corners and i i even posted videos i remember famously in tennessee two years ago their cornerbacks weren't even they weren't even opening their hips on jimmy (laughs) they just had no respect for the fact that Jimmy was going to throw it deep. He, mm-hmm. he just wasn't going to do it. And they knew he wasn't going to do it. And that is a problem when teams don't have to, you know, they don't have to even concern themselves with plus 20. Bro, I don't think Brock is ever going to be that guy that you can just co- completely disregard um, that portion of the field against him. And yeah. that's all we need. Yeah, absolutely. So Rick is also in the chat. Rick said Kittle CMC and Debo, a.k.a. the Wrecking Crew. What about uh, Dr. Dre and the world-class Wrecking world-class Crew? World-class Wrecking Crew. <laughs> they, are, they are so good. And, you know, I, you know, you put B.A. in there. I mean, that this is just such a talented um, and diverse um skill position group and any one of these guys i mean 
Kittle seven for ninety, and and in most in in a perfect you know if everybody's healthy, he's like the fourth option. He blocks more than he runs routes, and I mean he's a game wrecker. I mean we 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 saw in two thousand nineteen, you could split him out wide, and he can play the X. I mean he he's just such. Such a talented weapon. CMC is, he's, you know, one of the best backs in the league, clearly. I don't think that's, you know, you're not, I'm not, that's that's like a cold take. And then Debo, I mean, is he our best receiver? I don't know. I mean, he is, with the ball in his hand, There, I, I still, um, I still contend there aren't five guys in the league. You can't name me five guys in the league better with the ball than their ha- in their hands than Debo Samuel. But I think it's pretty much understood that, you know, B.A. is a better route runner than Debo. Um, I don't know if he's as impactful. as Debo is a monster. Um, but he is not your traditional wide receiver. He's not going to Stefan Diggs you or, you know, Brandon Ayuk, he's just that's he's not that kind of precise route runner, but he showed it several times a day. He gets in the open field and he can run through your defense. <laughs> he can run through your defense. Um, he did run through their defense. Yeah. Um, you know, so that and that is just it's 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 so they're so fun to watch. What did you think of the Amazon broadcast with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet? Al Michaels is one of my favorites. I love, um, I love I, listening to Al yeah, Michaels do, love, do commentary. You know, Herbie, you know, he's fine. I, you know, I know some people really like him and some people, you know, that that's the funny thing about announcers is they are so polarizing. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I hear people talk about how much they hate um, Joe Buck. I mean, I, 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 I don't, he just doesn't, you know, I know there's an Aikman thing. There's a cowboy thing with me and Aikman that I, yeah. I, I can completely acknowledge, but he, you know, neither one of those dudes are as terrible. I don't think they're as terrible as people make them out to be. I mean, and if you, if you want to try to, you know, I think it's unfair to compare anybody to like Summerall and Madden. I mean, yeah. I, that's, that's kind of the gold standard. Um, in terms of national um, broadcast teams, I think. So it's unfair to compare any of those guys. I, you know, I had honestly, I have more of an aversion to to, to Papa and Ryan <laughs> than I do, honestly, any really any national team. The homers. You know, I, you know, I just, mm, I just, they, they just, rub me the wrong way and there's nothing wrong i guess with being homers but i don't know that that though i i don't listen to them you know i there were people were really hating on mark sanchez i kind of like his energy he was okay he was he's, okay. he's kind of infectious he, a goofy. He is, but like yeah he is kind of goofy and like you said there were times when he's kind of a bit much but I, it's in a good way it's in yeah. a good natured way i i i like somebody i I like enthusiasm um but yeah i don't really there i can't really think sitting here right now put me on the spot there are is there really a national team that i i just really have like a real real aversion i mean 
Collinsworth, I don't really love him. <laughs> um, Tariko, I guess. And I, and I think, again, with him, he, um, you know, following Al Michaels yeah. doesn't do him any, you know, any justice or service. Yeah. You know, I can, I just, I just think so highly of Michaels that anybody replacing him, um, and then the way they did it, I didn't really care for either. Like they were kind of trying to push him out the door. It felt like um, they were kind of trying to shoehorn Tariko into spots, which, you know, and then the whole failed breeze that it was just, it, you know, NBC is just kind of a shit show. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I love Al Michaels. I'll just say that. Yeah. The, the team was, the team was good. Herb street is very vanilla. He's very college football, but uh, I think that's what it is. I think I think that's what it is with Herbie. It's not that I don't really like him. It's just, I mean, he is kind of synonymous with Chris Fowler. It is yeah. him and Fowler, and him. He he just seems out of place in a um, pro booth. Kind of to me, like I think that's with Papa even more so than being a homer. Is he'll always be the Raider announcer to me? <laughs> I, I, you know, I and and I think he's it's close to where he's been here almost as long as he was with the Raiders. But I mean, from to me, I'm always waiting for him to say touchdown he, Raiders. He is first and foremost an Al Davis guy. Yeah, still to this day, for sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, the the thing about Herb Street that that I'm so I, I find it so interesting is Amazon streaming platform this new hey. way to do football. He has this w- interesting opportunity to kind of be the voice of Amazon or the voice of Thursday Night Football, and no one wants to do NFL. You know that that that's kind of like the pie in the sky is, is the NFL. And he is so low key about yeah. everything. I was like, if you just amped it up twenty percent, just a little bit, you probably do yourself a, a you, you know you do your your career a bit of justice there. Just dial it, just dial it up a little bit because Al Al is Al Al's Al's a legend. He's going to set you up to hit home runs, but Kurt, her, uh, Herb Street seems like he's okay with hitting you know little bloopers over over the second baseman's head. Just pretend it's Ohio State football. If you did that, <laughs> you know you would that you would it would you would dial it up to a level that would um be appropriate. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what did you think about uh, Christians? Uh, you know, they they definitely were a little bit more mindful of his carries today. I think Shanahan probably felt a little guilty last week of playing him the entire game and not getting. Mitchell in there, though I read something from Barrows where Barrows said, I think uh, Bobby Turner Turner. has the he has the freedom to kind of pull Christian out whenever he sees that he he needs to come out and he can put Eli in. And uh, so, you know, basically, it's probably more than just Shanahan. There's there's a, a strategy involved here where other people have responsibility, but still. Christian did not come out, and so the, it looked like there was a concerted effort to make sure that they did not overplay him in this game on a short rest, you know, on a Thursday night so early in the season. I thought it was smart 
though, you know, I think a lot of people thought, hey, you know, if CMC was here instead of Mitchell, we may would have scored another touchdown or two. Yeah, I, I in theory, understood what the hullabaloo was because it stood out to me. I mentioned it on last week's pod and, you know, no other running back got any touches. But I also, in the moment, it wasn't Monday morning quarterback. It was right after the game Yeah, that the – Rams, especially in the first half, had um, the time of possession. He only ended up with 20 carries. So I know, and he doesn't like to come out. Yeah. So I, I, I understood in theory the concern, but I didn't think that they overplayed him. In that particular game, I didn't think that there were tons of opportunities for him to come out um, in that circumstance. And then we went, I went back and forth with people last week, you know, in this notion of the game being out of hand, this game was more out of hand than the Rams game. Yes. And I just don't see all these depth pieces that we're going to be putting in that, you know, Matt Scafford threw for like 400 yards last week against our ones. They were only, they ended up only what they lost by seven. You pull, if you, you know, wave the white, white flag and pull all the starters, the Rams haven't just haven't agreed not to continue to try to score. And that's what Kyle talked about in his, um, his post game presser is what he, his fear is always Detroit from the first game of the season two years ago, where we got up really big on the road and we started pulling guys and, you know, he started having to put guys back in because it got out of hand. You know, it was, you know, Detroit started to come back. So it's a fine line. You know, low management is a real thing. I am not as opposed to it as, some people are factories run their machines on a and b cycles farmers rotate their crops to you know you know to let the fields you know rest and regenerate so i have no i don't really have a problem especially in other sports the nfl i mean the nba particularly with if if these people who are tasked with making these determinations if they tell me i can get five more years out of Steph by playing him 34 minutes and giving him one day off every four games then so be it if you can tell me that christian mccaffrey never over 15 carries and it will lead to x more production in the playoffs, then that's fine. But just to be pulling, dude, and that because that's what it felt like to me last week, because we were just talking about we should have just pulled him just to pull him. I didn't think he was overused, and I didn't really see that there were any real spots to pull him. Today, we ended up with 39 carries. Should he have got 39 carries today? Of course not. He got half of them. That's about right. So, Good job, Kyle. And that's what we should be trying to do is right-size him and not trying to just do something for the sake of doing it. Um, 
which I think it would have been last, you know, trying to shoehorn Elijah Mitchell in last week, I think it would have been inappropriate. I think it was right size this week. Christian got the amount of touches that I felt was warranted, and they got other guys involved, which is, you know, always good. I Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that I'm looking here right now. I didn't know Darnold even got in. I didn't yeah, even he got in in the last series. I guess I, I started, I came <laughs> over and started setting up. Um, so I didn't, you know, I, I didn't watch all the way to the end. Um, yeah, good for him. One thing that surprised me and kind of continues to surprise me, and we made this observation during the preseason when Trey Lance was still on the team, in that in the face of the blitz, 49er QBs were not running at all. And I mm-hmm. thought there were a couple of opportunities where Brock could have taken off and got a first down and instead tried to sit there in the pocket and try to pick apart where the open guy was. I do wonder if this is a strategy to sit a little bit more rather than run so quickly in the face of danger, because, you know, if we're, I mean, if we're looking at, at the stats, uh, Brock had uh, four carries for negative one yards. And I think all of those runs were just in the face of like trying not to get sacked rather than, you know, stepping up and taking advantage uh, of the blitz and picking up a few yards here and there. And it's, that is kind of a source of frustration for me. I, you know, um, everybody keeps telling me that Brock had this split. That's as good as Lamar Jackson. Okay, fine. I am just a devotee of the RPO. And I think that it's a segment in a, type of offense that would be beneficial and he's not Jimmy Garoppolo he's not Lamar Jackson but I think I think you could do some stuff with some designed or run option stuff with Brock he he seems like he's a he's a decent enough athlete to at least again talking about the deep passing to at least um, show that and and give defenses something to think about. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that'll come at some point, or maybe you know Kyle is just you know happy with letting Brock be, and maybe you don't want to. Okay, I, it just occurred to me as I'm stream of th- thought, and this is not something I give it giving a whole bunch of thought. Maybe he just didn't want to put him in harm's way yeah. in that way. I think, I think that's probably what it is and, too. You know, and, and, and that in, you know, just sitting here right now, stream of consciousness, that's fair. Okay. If you don't want to expose him to those hits, fair enough. But it's, you know uh, what, you know, juice what they, is probably not worth the squeeze. And they probably didn't do a lot of this because of the over blitzing by the giants, but you didn't see a lot of rollouts. You didn't see a lot of play action. And then Brock, kind of bootlegs over to the left side. There was not, it was, everything was shotgun pocket or underneath the center pocket. It was a very straightforward offense from the Niners today. So uh, I, you know, I, maybe that is because of the over blitzing. You just, you, you're just trying to take advantage of uh, hoping that the pass protection hangs on, you know, holds up and you, you're going to find an open guy because the defensive is, is basically playing, you know, man in the secondary with so many guys blitzing so that that's possibly what it is too yeah they you know i'm but i'm i 
like I say, I'm forever hopeful. They opened up their first play, their first play of the game. Brock comes out in pistol. Yes. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, there's no, there was no, Trent, there was no run action off the pistol. For Trent Brock. also got called for a legal man downfield on a, uh, an RPO ish attempt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that's stuff that they're if they're going to utilize that they probably just need to get a little tighter with it. Yeah. Um. All right. As we uh, as we kind of get to the end of this, you know, we haven't talked much about the defense, but man, that was a that was a nice performance there. When you when you think about what Hargrave means to this team, when you think about Bosa, Bosa got the nice sack. Uh, which they called on the one yard line. I think it was closer to like the half yard line. Yeah. And I know Rick in, in in the chat. Rick thought it was a safety. He's like, "Come on, that's a safety." I I, I didn't. He did. He didn't. He did not contact him in in the end zone. He kind of. It was more of the half yard line. I thought it was the half yard line. Yeah. Um. But it was close, and it was. Yeah. I, again, he on what was it? One one sack. And did he have yeah two more quarterback hits? Pressures gets weird in terms of um tracking them. I have at this point I'm I I trust PFF numbers definitely over mine. So it'll be interesting to see how many pressures they end up giving him. Um, but again, he is just a force, and they you know you see how teams have to game plan blocking him um and both armstead and hargrave were beneficiaries of that um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna give him a shout out because we we haven't kinlaw has put together three really solid performances in his role as a backup defensive tackle he had a, a real good pressure he actually forced out um the guy on the Hargrave site, it was him who created the initial pressure. So it's good to, you know, see him just, you know, it's a bit part, but he's playing that part well. And I mean, obviously it's probably not the part you want a first round um, 14th overall draft pick making mm-hmm. playing, but it's a role nevertheless. And we're getting more out of him than we've gotten at any other point in his career. So kudos to him for that. They they got a pick late in the game. Hufunga got a pick. It was tipped, and then it was I think it was tipped again mm-hmm. by Fred Warner, who's I don't know he's he's really got a nose for where the football is uh, so far this season. He he didn't have uh, that many tackles today, but that's more. But the he product played a, of he played a huge role in keeping um, Darren Waller yes under wraps because um, I is another guy that I thought you know, was worried, concerned about coming in, having a big game. And, you know, he was a non-factor. Three for and, 20. And, and if he is not a factor, all the, I mean, they really don't have any other, with Saquon out, all the rest of those dudes are, are complimentary players at best. There's, you know, you know Brita looked, you know, good. I, I knew he was going to, he was going to come in fired up and i mean nobody's gonna run against this they didn't they didn't even stick with him though he had four carries and he he looked good he looked fast 
But, oh, that touchdown! That touchdown run was strong. That was yeah. a strong effort. But you know, I I just think that people get discouraged. I, I I just I don't think you watch the tape, and you just don't believe. And and even somebody the Daybo, they put the, the the um stat up there that over the past ten games they like rushed for like 145 yards a game. Which again, you know, that's what Saquon in there. But still, um. I just think teams get discouraged watching the tape and thinking, you know, we just can't, you know, we can't run against these dudes, and, you know, and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we've seen it last season. We saw it teams like the Atlanta Falcons who just stuck with it, you know, who just believed in it and didn't, you know, cause Arthur Smith don't give a damn. If he gets three <laughs> yards to carry, he's going to continue to run the ball and they ran the ball for 200 yards on us. So there's something to be said for just believing in it and, you know, just continuing to pound it. And they just didn't seem to have the, um, the fortitude to do that. And if you do that, you just, you know, good luck, especially when, you know, we've seen it two weeks in a row when they play that soft shell, good luck, you know, driving the ball down the field on us, you know, on 10 and 12 play drives, you know, I, you know, it's, you know, that's that's just a hard way to go. Did you see any of the drama? Oh, no, no, not really drama, but uh, I was reading some of the stuff on the Giants. And so game one, they don't even score against Dallas. And then game two, they're shut out in the first half against Arizona. And so there was a little bit of a conversation about whether Dable started to call plays and take over the play calling from uh, Kafka, their offensive coordinator. Mm. because they scored all the points in the second half last week. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, all of this conversation and day bull says, no, you know, I always have a play sheet and we're always talking about stuff. And, uh, and then they asked Daniel Jones, you know, who, who do you, who, who's calling the plays? And he's like, well, I always get the play call from Kafka. So that's his, his thing. And so now if it, you know, I don't know if that conversation exists because if, even if day was calling the plays, they, they they were not successful moving the football today. Mm-hmm. So, and again, it's it's one of those deals like, um, you give them a pass because it's the Forty ers This is just, this is just a really 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 good defense. Um, so you're not gonna, you know, in terms of trying to make hay against them. Good luck, especially without your best playmaker. You know I mean, they are. They're just not a very talented football team offensively. Um, I don't, I don't. Daniel Jones is fine. He is a he's a, a a well above average athlete, and he's not a bad quarterback. They didn't. There were several throws that he made that they just they did not. Um, his receivers didn't do him any favors at all. Um, hanging on to the ball, they were just flat dropping the ball. Um, I know Waller had at least two. Um, their backup running back just had one fall through his arms. Um, it was it was just they're just kind of a mess offensively. Um, they did some good stuff early defensively, you know, with the blitzes and Martin Wink Martindale. He can pre- he can you know dial up pressures, you know, with the best of them. It's just like you see, you give Kyle and all those weapons time to figure it out. I, you know, they are just. That's, they just they I just think the Giants have a a, a rough way to go. Um, uh, Debo seems to be a good coach. They, they're 
they're they they're better than they've been in years, but I think they're just not a very talented football team. So my my think. my wife, the most casual football fan there is, she'll sit with me and watch you know, a good amount of the Niner games, but sometimes, you know, she'll check out if she's got stuff to do, but her take on uh, Daniel Jones was Daniel Jones, maybe the single most boring name in human history. (laughs) And Daniel Jones with that name should have been handsome, not very handsome. That was her take on, on Daniel Jones. (laughs) And, and it made me start to study Daniel Jones and they had this photo of him. Every time they they showed the they showed his his thing, they had the little small little avatar graphic of him, and he's got the stare like he just looks like a serial killer. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> like if you don't know who Daniel Jones is, you're like, who is this crazy man? But you know what? You know what I like about Daniel Jones, and this is not going to really play unless a they get Saquon back, and and b they just have better receivers. But that guy hangs in there, man. He's big, he's strong. He's athletic. He did not he, he, even even when they were getting their butts kicked near the end. That dude was still fighting, so he's yeah. got fight in him. And mm-hmm. so that was uh, that was impressive to see, even when they were down. You know, some sometimes you can see QBs kind of check out a little bit. Like you watch, you know, you watch Aaron Rodgers from the last three years. Every time the Niners were kicking his butt, he was just kind of like, "All right, let's just get this over with. I need to get I need to get out of here." But Jones was fighting, so. Uh, I, I like that about him. But uh, last thing, we'll end it here. So far, so good on one mustache moody. Another three for three. Kickoffs were, were solid. Now, what, what they're doing with him or what they're having him do, and they're having all the kickers do this, is there's kind of this, this balance of do you want to kick it out of the end zone or do you want to try to get it high enough to where it falls right Just. where the kick returner has to catch it and, and try and run. And, and you're trying to, you know, tackle him before the 25 yard line. And so I'm seeing that Moody's able to get some height on that kick. There was a couple, well, one that was pretty short. He's gotten the end zone a couple times, but I, I see, you know, we saw that first game where, where uh money making Mitch was, was kicking off and Pittsburgh was getting to the 35 every time. This is this is where the strategy of Moody's strong leg is going to really help on that kickoff coverage because, you know, the he can kick that ball really high. He may not kick it in the back of the end zone every single time, but he can get that angle high, and uh, you know the returner can you know, the returner may just call fair catch and yeah. I think and we got we got too. one of those where he kicked it and it like it, he caught it at like the half yard line and he just you know he fair caught it and yeah. I mean it. The fair catch know. is just as good as kicking it in the back of the end zone. But right. what it does is it makes the returner make a decision at that split second. And that's you, you want the ball in play there. So I think that's the Yeah, strategy. because anything can happen. He can yeah. he can muff it and you can maybe score a touchdown. I mean, yeah. you know, so you just never know. So anytime you make him make a decision, um, is a good thing. Um, and you know, it's, it's fascinating. I just don't know why they don't get it over with. And we just place on a 25 every time. I, I, I don't, I don't know what, what we're doing with, you know, they clearly with the fair catch and all that are trying to legislate the return out of the game. Why don't we just get it over with? And just, I, I want, I wonder from the NFL's perspective, 
why the rules committee just doesn't say what are the are the punt teams much different from the kickoff teams i wouldn't think so Mm -hmm. because if you're the players association maybe you argue that you know, then then they're gonna trim the rosters, and they won't right. need as many guys. I think that I that guess. could be an issue, but I don't know, man. You'll still have a punt return team and a punt punt team. So, so and I, not... you know, I don't know. I think, I guess there are a lot of things that I think that the the union should be fighting hard for next time around. But one of them, I I just think you, you it's far time, and I know they've done things with the practice squad and making it more flexible where you can have dudes like Melvin Gordon be on the practice squad. Um, and they extended the practice squad, but we need, to, I think we need like four or five more um, roster spots. Um, I, I just think with 17 games, the fact that, you know, we didn't extend the rosters when we did that, is just unconscionable. And I know from the NFL standpoint, it's a money thing, you know, even, you know, even four more minimum contracts is, you know, that's, you know, like $8 million. I I just, I just uh, got a text for Jed. He said, you see how much money I paid Bosa bro. Uh, but you you know, but I also see that you guys are steadily creating inventory with like two damn Monday night football games again, you know, and soon soon enough we'll have two Thursday night games. You know, they're and simulcasting all the all the Monday night football games on ABC for the rest of the year, I think. I saw that, which is a you know, that's not a bad thing, and I'm sure like everything that the NFL does, that there is a cost um component to that where disney is trying to get the most bang for their buck out of that um and i'm positive because it just you know rick was talking about that um in our chat earlier this week it just doesn't two monday night games especially when you're um when they're not asynchronous where you fire one and then the other one fires you know while the other one isn't, so you've got two games going on. It, that just it really, from my in my little pea brain, that just doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Other than to be able to create more advertising um, opportunities for um, Disney, but you know they they're paid they paid a lot of money, so you want to try to keep them happy, I guess. So uh, the reason why they're doing this, at least right now, is because with the actor strike and the writer strike, there's no new shows on ABC. That makes sense. So it's a way to take their most valuable property and they can, you know, they can they can actually, you know, win, win, win the ratings uh, on these days for for ABC over the other networks just because they have the most, you know, they have the biggest game in town. So. Um, that makes Rick, sense. Rick asked if there's going to be two Monday night games every Monday this season. No. So what they're doing, and this is another test, which is they're trying to see what the right times are for ABC and ESPN if there's a difference. So they're they're having two games, one starting at five, one starting at six on the West Coast. So eight, eight, nine on the East Coast. And they're trying to figure out, like, uh, on ESPN, 
is it better to have the game at five or six on ABC? Is it better to have the game at five or six? Now, what might happen is what they might find out is that they just steal the entire night. And we could see more of these Monday night, these two night Monday night football games uh, in the future. Previously, the only time we'd see this is they would do it on the very first weekend of the season. Mm -hmm. Or if a game got canceled for any reason, then they would push it to Monday and they would do it like that. So that it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting experiment for the NFL and one that because they are the dandy of television they could continue to do experiments because people just flock to watching football. So, yeah, I, I guess just as a fan and a consumer of the product, because I'm all in. I, it just it's it was like frustrating to me last week that you know I had to kind of pick yeah. which one I wanted to watch because I mean, and neither one of them are, are were really exciting games, but. I get invested, and once I start watching one, I want to kind of stick with that one. But then, yeah. you're, if you're doing kind of, it's and this is weird on a Monday to be trying to do like a red zone type thing <laughs> with Monday night. I don't know. I, I'm just used to on Monday nights having that one game, kind of like Sunday nights. You know, I'm a creature of habit. You on Sunday night, you're watching. You know, that's must see TV. You sit and you're watching whatever that game is, you know, you know, for me, I I'm going to watch the Sunday night game, regardless of his, you know, 49ers or no, whoever it is, you know, I kind of try to make it a point to, you know, sit down. Even if I'm working while I'm watching, I'm going to watch that game. Um, and it, for me, Monday night football is the same way. So it was just kind of weird last week. Um, so the, the league is pretty much, maximize the amount of teams that they could have you you have 32 teams that is about the the number that you can probably have and with scheduling and such but i don't know if you saw this but it looks like the usfl and the xfl are going to merge together and if i'm the nfl i buy into these leagues and i make sure that these leagues exist because what you could do a little soccer league thing with this, the Arizona Cardinals, they are the the doldrums of, of the NFL here right now. You know, that, that, now this would be hard. This would be hard with the ownerships. They wouldn't want this to happen. But imagine if the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL they play up and they're all of a sudden an NFL team. Like it just. There's a different element to it, and you can kind of, you know, keep this. You can kind of get this minor league football thing going a little bit. I I don't, I don't understand why the NFL isn't all in on a minor league type situation. And the spring is just perfect for that. That's why I think that. I don't really. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really watch the XFL. Oh, or the I don't USFL, watch it either. But I, I am not. I, I am sympathetic to them, and I see that there's a market for it. I, I could, if, if you know, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of a brand snob. If the NFL slapped their logo on it, I might be more inclined to watch especially if there was a farm system type element with 49er yep players if yep. if 
if I knew that, you know, he's gone now, but that I could watch somebody like Quantrez Knight yep. or, you know, pick a player on our practice squad, if I could, if I could buy in to that aspect of it, um, and then you could do that all around the league. I, I you know, I, I just don't see, you know, because Raj is always trying to, you know, he's on the, you know, the 25 by 27 kick. I I would think that you, that's hella inventory, more yeah. inventory for them to sell. Um, I know he seems to be kind of infatuated with the whole international thing. That's the other thing that I was about to say. And I so and I am too. I would I I love the idea of international football, and I love the fact of the thought of the 49ers playing in Munich or Frankfurt or Mexico city. Man, I love Mexico city. I, I'll go back to Mexico city every time I, you know, Paris and London, hmm, kind of, I guess. Um, but I, you know, those, those Eastern European cities, Munich looked like a blast. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so I would love more of that action. I don't know how, you make that work in terms of having team a team in London or a team in Paris. I don't know just from a scheduling standpoint how you would make that work for 17 games, but um, unless you know, I've heard it floated that you don't just have one or two teams; you have like four teams, and then you get. I don't. I don't know how. I, I'm not smart enough to make that work. Um, Cause I'm like you, I, I kind of see the league as kind of tapped out. And I mean, you could try to shuffle teams around the country, I guess, but I, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't really see a whole lot of markets that, you know, just have to have NFL teams. And I don't honestly, I don't honestly see any markets that are just like, we need to get that team out of there either yeah. so yep. you know i i just think they 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 hit their they they have right-sized it but i don't think that roger feels that way yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what the next moves towards you know growing the ever-growing nfl pot what that looks like all right we are going to end it here we'll be back next sunday not this sunday because niners are off for over a week now. Next Sunday, they have Arizona in the late game. So we'll be back, you know, probably around 4 45, 5 o'clock. Um, but let's uh l- let's shout out to people who are here. Obviously, Shelvin. Shelvin, it, it, you know, we, we said this last week. Shelvin's basically a part of the show now. Uh Shelvin, Rick, Rick is an OG, is a we want winners OG. Uh, thanks to PA Niner fan 87. And also uh, there was a, a great name in the chat earlier. K owing bums was in here earlier uh, talking about, eh, he's not, not that big of a Purdy fan, but thank you to all of the folks hanging it's out. It's cool with to us. start seeing names of people that I don't really know, like Shelvin and Rick and then Robert Ramos, um, you know, those are the homies. Um, yeah. They're, so they're, it's nice to it's nice to start to see new blood, yeah. you know, 
in the chat and on the on the feed. So thank you for tuning in. Yeah, come into the Discord too. We 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 would love to have more people in the Discord. All right. Uh for Rod, I am double G. We will see you next week. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.